Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? You may be seated. Praise God. Um, what we want to do is after the service, we um, want to pray about some things. And so uh, I know Brother Rick wants to sh- he wanted to share and, and pray together. We're going to do that after the uh, message today and after we pray and, and after we um, go offline, we're going to spend some time in prayer. And how many believe there's some important things going on in our nation, amen, and, and uh, really happening around us, and we really need to be vigilant. I believe we need to be faithful um, to really stand uh, with, with the Lord. How many believe Jesus is praying? <laughs> Yes, He is. The Bible says that He is seated at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us. And so we're going to agree with the Lord today that there's some things that we need to agree on as people. And so some things are coming up and I'm gonna, we're going to do that afterwards. And, uh, but I want to encourage you today, I, I, just a little different for me. Um, I'm going to just give you a quick exhort and then we're going to give it into our text. And it's not that long, but um, just something on my heart. I had something else planned, wanted to lead into this big series and it was going to be exciting and awesome and uh, a preacher always, you know, when he's preparing his message, it always sounds better when you first get it and, and uh, you got to work it a little bit sometimes and then, and then it makes sense and so how many know, uh, you know, not everything we say makes sense and so sometimes I, I felt like, Lord, okay, yeah, I want to do this and I just felt the Lord just wanted to speak to me a little bit different today and uh, to us today and uh, so bear with me but I want to encourage you in Psalms chapter 32 verse 7, I love this scripture and I've been kind of just waiting, uh, I don't know how long, um, maybe a couple months just to share this. And no big deal, just want to encourage you. And, uh, and I know that there, we, we've seen some, some, uh, a spike and uh, some sickness. And so I know a lot of people are discouraged and down. But I just want to encourage you today in Psalms chapter 32, verse 7. It says, you are my hiding place. It said, you will preserve me from trouble. How many find themselves in trouble? Amen, a little bit. And uh, you will compass me or surround me with songs of deliverance. That's a good thing, isn't it? Or you are my secret hiding place. You will protect me from distress, keep me out of trouble, keep me from every storm of life. You preserve me. You will surround me. You will be on every side of me. You enclose me with songs of deliverance, songs of victory, songs of gladness, reminding me that I am free in you. I'm singing about the way you saved me. How many know God is surrounding you with songs of deliverance today? I just want to encourage you that the Lord has surrounded you with songs of deliverance. Amen. How many know when you find yourself in trouble, He's your way out? Amen. He's going to get you through. Is that right? He's your hiding place. The Bible says that you are my refuge, you are my hiding place. You protect me from distress. Amen. How many have been distressed out? <laughs> A couple of us. Amen. And so I want to just, you know, just, just kind of say that over you today. That, you know, even in Zephaniah it says this in 317. It says, the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty. He will save. He will re- rejoice over you with joy. How many believe God is rejoicing over you with joy this morning? Amen. Come on, maybe some of you by faith need to put your hand up. Amen. Well, I don't know if you really give God a lot of reason to joy over me. But you know what? It doesn't matter. The Bible says that He will rest in His love. He will joy over you with singing. How many believe God is singing over your life? Amen. Two people. That is really cool. I like that. I'm so encouraged by that. Amen. How many believe that God is singing songs of deliverance over your life? Amen. You are surrounded. You will encompass me about. I don't know about you, but some of us feel that we're surrounded by trouble. We're surrounded, outnumbered by trouble, right? 
I mean, this thing is above me. I can't, I mean, I, this thing's bigger than me. I, I mean, this thing's overwhelming me. Well, you need to take heart this morning, amen, that God is rejoicing over you with songs of deliverance, songs of singing. Can you believe that? God sings about you. God sings songs of victory over your life. I, I don't know what that sounds like, but I I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, think he's got the best voice in the world, Right? Right, and he's creator of music, so yeah, I mean, he's got some really cool songs. I mean, some of the top ten in heaven are about you. Amen. Of course, we know what the number one selling song is in heaven, and that is holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and to come. That will be forever the top ten, right? Top one hundred. But think about it. God's singing over you with songs of deliverance today. So I want to encourage you. God is singing over your life songs of victory. And so you can't, maybe you don't see a way out. You don't see any encouragement in it. But God is singing over your life. And so you need to take a moment and thank God for where he's brought you from to where he's taking you, where he has you right now. And say, God, I want to thank you that you are singing over my life with songs of deliverance. You have surrounded me with songs of deliverance. So let me just give you a key about worship. In the morning, what you need to do is wake up and just say, God, if you've surrounded me with songs of deliverance, I just want to hear one of them today that I can have a good worship song to wake up to. Amen. I, I just want to just sing what you're singing about me. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of us have sang the blues long enough. How many know you need to sing songs of victory? Amen. Over your life. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, of course, taking the, the beautiful season it is and the wonderful opportunity that we have. Um, as I was reading this, I saw something and then I heard somebody say something that really encouraged me. Um, about how Jesus came to save his people. And I want to just talk to you about that today in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says that Jesus' mother, Mary, <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 18, now the birth of Christ, Jesus Christ, was on this wise or this way. It happened this way. So he's giving you the this, this storyline uh, uh, about his mother, Mary. She was espoused or engaged to Joseph before they came together, before they were holy matrimony, and she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. In verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, you are you're the son of David. That's important to remember. You're the son of David. Fear not to take unto Mary your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. In verse 20, 21, I love this one. Here's the, the, the text this morning. And she shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. How many believe that Jesus came to save us from sin? Amen. A little bit more participation. That is amazing. How many believe that Jesus came to save you from your sin? Amen. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Jesus came, amen, born, amen, in, in, the, in the flesh. God in the flesh came in, we say a manger, but it really wasn't. And uh, all the pictures we have are a little bit of uh, kind of American custom, but that's okay. And so J Jesus came, right, born of a virgin to save us from our sin. How many know we couldn't save ourselves? There's nothing we could do. Nobody could do it. No man could do it except the man Christ Jesus. Amen. God manifested in the flesh, had to come, had to be born of a virgin, had to go this way, and had to die a criminal's death, and was raised on the third day, and is ever seated at the right hand of God. Amen. How many believe that? Jesus came to save us. 
How many are saved? Amen. How many delivered? Amen. Sanctified and petrified. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. You're sanctified and you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to save us from our sins. But very specifically, the Bible says that He shall save His people from their sins. Now, someone could say we're all God's people once we're born again. Yes, but specifically, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus came for the people of Israel. Is that right? For the Jewish people. Amen. In Matthew chapter 1, and, and he goes into the genealogy of Jesus, he shows 41 generations. It's 41, technically not 42, because he mentions David twice. But 41 generations. He goes all the way back to Abraham. I think I say this every year because I love it. And, and Matthew showed us 41 generations of Jesus, his genealogy all goes all the way back to Abraham. But Luke's gospel shows us all 77 generations going all the way back to Adam and God himself. So, and I like to think of it this way, is that Matthew shows us that Jesus was a promise to the Jewish people. How many believe Jesus was a promise? He was the best promise. He was the best gift. He was the best promise. And, and Luke shows us that Jesus was a provision for all mankind. Not only was Jesus a promise fulfilled, but Jesus was a provision for man. How many believe that, right? That's why we're here. So Jesus was that provision, and so they go back in that, that really unique perspective. But notice something else, that they show and reveal the, both the royal line of Jesus and the family line of Jesus. That's why the Bible says that when the angel came to Joseph, Jesus' father, he says, son of David. Because Joseph's lineage was back, traced back to David. That was the royal family line of Jesus. Did you know that? And Mary's family went all the way back to, to, to Abraham. She could trace hers all the way back to Adam. So that was through the family line. How many know Jesus was born both of a royal lineage and a family line? Amen. And how, how much of a miracle was it for two teenagers to get together, really didn't realize that, that both of them had such an intricate part to play in the birth of Jesus Christ? Isn't that amazing? Amen. So it goes all the way back. And so, you know... Um, one of the things I see is that through history is that God protected the lineage of Jesus. He protected both the royal line and the family line. Even at the Tower of Babylon and all the things that happened, the Tower of Babylon, and all that, all that how many Jesus protect, or the God protected the lineage of Jesus? At the flood, amen, how many know eight souls were saved? Why? Because God had to protect the lineage of Jesus. Because Jesus had to come to save us, Right? And someone said, God wiped out everybody. No, he, he kept eight people. And how many know God can do something amazing with just eight people? Amen. And so he did that. And all through you know, the captivity of Israel and all the battles that the, were, 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 were fought with the Amorites and the Canaanites, all those things that happened in their history was to protect the lineage of Jesus so Jesus could be born to save his people from their sin. I, I think it's a miracle if you study all the three, over 300 messianic prophecies about Jesus Christ. Every one of them, or most of them, had come to pass at the birth of Jesus. Just so many of them, hundreds of them, had come to pass just at the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. How many know there's still some of those that are still being fulfilled today? Amen. They're alive today. And so I believe that this, this happened. And so, But notice something that, that says here that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. When Jesus was witnessing to the woman at the well and he was, he was sharing the gospel with her, one of the things he told her, he said that salvation is of the Jews. 
Salvation is not of the, Gen or the Samaritans, of the Jews. And Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. How many believe that? In Matthew 15, 24, Jesus answered a woman and he said this, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. How many know salvation is of the Jews? Do I believe that? Amen. That God's intention was to save His people. Jesus came as a promise that God made to Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham that out of you I'm going to bring the lineage of so many stars. I'm going to bring out of you the lineage of the Messiah. coming out of your lineage. I mean, Jesus fulfilled the promise to the Jewish people. Everything that they had done up to that point was all about Jesus. How many believe that? Come on, all the festivals, all the rituals, all the customs, all the law was all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. It was all pointing to the Messiah. Why? Because God, from the very beginning, had the intention that He was going to use the people, the Jewish people, that the lineage of Jesus would come, the Savior would come through them, and He would save them. I mean, how many believe God wants to save all Jewish people? Amen. Still wants to do it. And so, it's amazing how have you studied this and... Uh, one of the things I have saw recently, I heard somebody say this, it was just so profound about how that salvation is of the Jews. And I, I've read that before and I, I really didn't understand it, but now I understand it. That Jesus came to save His people. Who were His people? How many know His people were Jewish people? Now people don't like that. They, they don't like the fact that Jesus was born a Jew. They don't like the fact that Jesus, we like to put Him in our skin color, in our nationality. How many know that's a great picture, but it really isn't. Right. <laughs> Amen. He was born a Jew. He, and God chose it that way. Why? Well, that's just God's will. How many know God, Jesus had to come through some woman? Amen. And God just picked him. That was his sovereign will. And he picked that nation. He said, you're not better than anybody other nation. It's not because you're richer, you're more powerful. It's just because of my will. I picked you, Jerusalem, Israel, nation of Israel. I picked you from, from way back that I needed a nation to move through, that I could bring the Savior of the world through, and it just so happens to be the Jewish people. Amen. And how many believe that Jesus still wants all of Israel to be saved? Amen. You know, I, I know a lot of us um, have a tendency, a lot of people have a tendency to really get caught up in the things of, of, of Jewish customs and everything. You got the prayer child, the kippah, you got the ram's horn, you got the candles, you, the candlesticks, you got all that, and you're not even Jewish. And you eat, you eat, you know, how many love that crackers? I love that non, the unleavened bread crackers. I love that stuff. Dipping that in tomato soup is so good. I'm not Jewish, and I love that stuff. But, you know, we get caught up in that. And did you know that there is actually a, a, I mean, it's real. It is a condition. It is a medical condition that's treated with medicine and therapy in Israel. It's called the Jerusalem Syndrome. People get over there, and they kind of lose their mind a little bit. You know, you, how many know, have you ever been to Jerusalem or been to Israel? It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And when I stood on the Mount of Olives, everything of the, to me in the Bible came to life. It's like, this is exactly where Jesus rode that donkey down. And, and then I stood there with my arms open and I started to preach. And No, I'm just kidding, I didn't. But, you know, think about it. Micah was with me. He wasn't impressed. And, you know, but you, you know, you get lost in it and you're like, you want to sell everything. And Jesus is coming back on the eastern gate and he's coming here. No, no, no. He's over here. And there's little memorials where Jesus was supposed to be buried. And there's like four birthplaces of Christ. And, 
And you want to go to every one of them. You don't care because you just have the Jerusalem syndrome. And they're, and they're just people get caught up in it. And you, you blow the ram's horn to wake your kids out of bed. And you're so into the festivals and into the feasts. But how many know those things were written for a sign to us who were grafted in that the Messiah was coming through the Jewish people. And everything that God had done in the Old Testament, all the ceremonies and everything, that was all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And now, I, I believe that there were certain things that as a Gentile, I'm not required to carry on. I'm not required to, to observe the Sabbath the way that, that maybe the Jewish people are. I'm not required to do the, the way that they would do circumcision, things like that. Uh, there's certain things as a Gentile, I'm not really required. Is that what Paul taught? Paul, Paul said, we're not going to put certain things on the Gentiles because they're not of the Jewish customs. We're not going to force them into our ceremonies and everything and say that this is the only way they can do it. Come on. For us as Jews, that's wonderful. We celebrate Jesus through those things, but they don't have to do it. How many believe that? And someone said, I don't have to do all that stuff. Amen. Right? But how many know God still uses those things to bring Jewish people to himself? He still, I mean, listen, if you go to, we, we, I had the privilege and the honor to go to the Knesset, which is like our Congress, you know, and, and, and walk those halls, and the, the lobby has a, a huge mural. I mean, it's just hundreds of, this wall is hundreds of feet long, and on this, this big, huge mural is painted the great exodus. It's people coming out of Egypt, and you're like, I know what that's all about. Right? And around the corner is Jacob's Ladder. And then over here on this side you see the pictures and you're all like, I learned that in Sunday school and, and I know exactly what that's about. But how many know the Bible says that the veil is over their eyes. They don't see Christ in those things. They see tradition in those things. They see customs in those things. And how many know it's okay because God can use those things that they can see Christ in those things. Why? Because Jesus wants to save His people from their sins. Isn't that amazing? And I'm not going to get caught up in that. I know a lot of people get caught up in that. And they write books and every year they make a pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem, pray. And, and I prayed at the Western Wall and I've touched it. And, and, uh, and I've asked the Lord to forgive me because I took some prayer notes out of the wall. And, and so, you know, we've done those things. And I walked those streets and I, oh man, and, you know, and I did that and, 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 and bought a camel's whip. And I was, oh, I'm so privileged to do that. You know, and, and, and brought trinkets and all these souvenirs, you know, in the Western that was great, but you know, really, I, I celebrate something else when I go to Israel. I celebrate the fact that the Messiah has come. I, I celebrate the fact that, you know, people argue where Jesus was born and where he was crucified. I celebrate the fact that, that I believe it. I don't have to know exactly the ge ge geographical location of where exact birth took place. I believe it. Amen. And so I, I believe that God wants to use those things to reach his people. God has not forgotten the nation of Israel, and I believe that the only way that this whole world can hear the gospel is that if Jews and Gentiles alike are preaching it together. That's my personal conviction. I heard something shared recently, and I thought it was so powerful. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, Paul said this. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery. It talks about a mystery. How many know there's mysteries in the Bible? And he said, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Verse 26, and in this way all of Israel will be saved. That is, that is, it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. 
And so he's saying here, and he's saying to the Roman, to the Christians at Rome, he's saying, look, I, I'm going to tell you something because I don't want you to get carried away in conceit and pride and be lifted up. There has been a falling away. There has been a hardening of our hearts. How many know Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he said, you have rejected God's promise to you. Here I am in the flesh, and you have rejected me. You rejected the prophets, and all the prophets pointed to me, and you rejected me, and he wept over them. He said, I would want to gather you as a chick, uh, a chicken gathers her, her, her hen gathers her young, and I would want to gather you, but you rejected me. I can't do that now. Hey, many of the Bible says that the disciples received the Holy Spirit. They were anointed to go to the Gentile world and preach the gospel. Now, the Bible makes it clear that it's, it's important that we understand that really Israel has, it's a, it's a part. He says it's a hardening of their heart in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so we know that the gospel has to go around the world before Jesus comes back. And we know that there is also a remnant of Gentiles that God's saying they're going to come in. And then it's almost like there's going to be a door that opens up where Israel will be saved. Israel will be saved. How many believe in God for Israel being saved? The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. We're believing God. Amen. That that's going to happen. And I'm so thankful for the ministries that are there doing that. But look at in verse 11 of chapter, of chapter 11 of verse 11. And, and just bear with me a little bit. I, I'm going to bring a point to this. And then is, he said, I'm going to ask you again. He said, did they stumble? Talking about... The Jewish people, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Did the Jewish people stumble at, at when Jesus came to fall beyond recovery? He was asking a question. He said, not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Pretty interesting, isn't it? But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion right, bring? He said, I'm talking to the Gentiles, he, to you Gentiles, in so much as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry, he said, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. That's why he said to the Jew, I became a Jew, right? To this person I became this person that I what, may save some. So he said, I'm obeying the Lord in this ministry to the Gentiles. He said, because I want to bring an envy to the hearts of the Jewish people. In other words, what's going to happen among the Gentiles is going to be so powerful, so good, so God, that Israel's not going to be able to ignore it. There's actually going to bring an envy in their heart. Who is this Christ? It, maybe there is something to this. Maybe the Messiah has come. Maybe there is a fullness of, this, of the measure. Maybe we have stepped into the new covenant. Come on. And there's something about it that the Bible says that their heart is going to en get envious in a good sense and they're going to get saved. I mean, that, that's, that just blows my mind. And then he says in verse 15 of chapter 11, he says, For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance to be but life from the dead. In other words, if, if their rejection of Jesus and the gospel brought revival to the world, how big is the revival going to be and the party going to be when they get saved? That's, that's in essence, that's, of course, a, a loose translation. That's, you know, Matt's translation. But, I mean, think about it. He said, look, if, if their turning from Christ brought reconciliation to the Gentiles, what do you think is going to happen when all the nation opens up to Jesus Christ? He said, it's going to be mind-blowing 
And in fact, I believe it's going to be, this is going to be the global salvation that everybody's you know, preaching about and praying about and, and talking about. This, this whole revival, this big old thing at the end, and everybody talks about this, this last end time harvest. But you know, it's not going to happen without the nation of Israel turning to the Messiah. How many believe that? Amen. I believe that. And let me tell you something, I am not any type of, of scholar in this area. I'm not any type of you know, guy that has 10 books of Israel on his... I mean, I've got one picture book when I was there, okay? I got it with a camel's whip. I got you know in that, in that store. And so that's it. I'm not into the latest prophecies and dates and times and codes and, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm, that's just not me. If you know me and my wife will tell you, you know, I just don't study all these things about Jerusalem and Israel. But how many know there is a connection... There is a direct connection to what God wants to do in this day, to what He wants to do, come on, in our day, and He wants to save the Jewish people. Amen. Jesus came to save His people. Jesus came to save the Jewish people. So here's what He's saying in essence. Number one, He's saying that salvation has come to the Gentiles for the purpose to provoke the Jews to jealousy to lead them to salvation. So in other words, we've got to get our, our work clothes on. We've got to get busy preaching the gospel so that all these Gentiles get saved so that Jerusalem takes notice, Israel takes notice, and will be saved. I want to know he's provoking us here. He's saying, look, you've got to get on with the gospel. You've got to get, I mean, listen, you've got to get busy, amen, preaching the gospel, and you've got to get as many people as saved as you can because all of a sudden the nation of Israel will turn when you begin to preach the gospel. And I, I appreciate all the prayers and intercessions. I appreciate all the prophecies about J Jerusalem and Israel. But what he's saying is what's really going to turn the heart of the nation of Israel is the preaching of the Gospels among the Gent and Gentiles. It's when we who are not, many of us here, are not of Jewish uh, you know, lineage and heritage and, and we're not of the Jewish faith and everything. All the people that he's talking about here is that how many know we need to get busy preaching the gospel so that Israel can get saved. Isn't that amazing? So God is putting this in our court. He is putting this in our, in our hands and he's saying, look you got to get busy. You've got to preach the gospel. You've got to get the gospel out in every way you can so that my people can come to true salvation. Did you know that you are so important and, and so key to the nation of Israel turning to Jesus the Messiah? Amen. You didn't know that, did you? And, and thank God that you know, we can go there. But this is, this is, we have such an interesting thing here. And then it says, if their rejection was our joy... Because he said, said it. If, our, if their rejection was our joy, how much more salvation for the nations? I mean, think about what would happen and how we'd begin to preach the gospel. How fast do you think the gospel would go all over the world if 12 million people got saved? Along with, with a bunch of uh, crazy Americans. Amen. Crazy people all over the world. Think about it. I mean, God is waiting for us to step into that which He provided, the gift that He's given us, to preach the gospel so that His plan for Israel can come to pass. Someone said, well, I need some scripture on this, but think about it. The Bible says, what did Jesus say? He said that the gospel shall be preached in all the earth, then shall the end come. Isn't that amazing? Then shall the end come. I remember when, you know, I'm, I'm I should say, old enough to remember listening to TV preachers and TV ministries and they said, you know, we're fulfilling, the, you're the great commission, we're fulfilling it. I mean, TVs, we have TVs going in all over the nation. Jesus is coming back. 
How many remember 88? Yes, you do. And um, Jesus was supposed to come back in 1988. But anyways, and we had all these television stations and there were satellites all over the world. This way before, you know, before the internet and everything. I mean, and we thought Jesus was coming back because there's TVs in everybody's home. Right? So the goal was to support missionaries to get TVs in everybody's home. Then the gospel is all over the world and Jesus is coming back. No, there's something else that he's waiting for and that is all over Israel to be saved. Think about it. Amen. And I don't have Jerusalem syndrome, so I'm not speaking from that mindset. Amen today. But I'm, I just was so stirred because I feel like never before when I read this, we call it the Christmas story, when at this time of the year, all I can think about is why Jesus came. And I have to go back to he came that we would be saved. He came that we wouldn't play church or we wouldn't belong to a, a special club and, and we could have a religion, but he came to save us. How many know that the only way that we're going to be saved is the preaching of the gospel? The only way that our city and our community and our family and our neighbors are going to get saved is through the preaching of the gospel. I like pictures the next, uh, like the next person. How many remember those little boards that you, what were they, little fabric boards that you had in Sunday school and you put those little things on there? Man, they had my attention. You know, preach a sermon to me, I, I would sleep. You put that little board up there and puppets, man, I was... Give me some snacks, of course. I can't watch puppets without snacks. But, I mean, you had me. You had me. I mean, I listen to anything. I, I'd do anything you tell me. Come on, right? And so the same way is with, with, with when we began to preach the gospel, people began to see it. And I believe that what's happening is God is really stirring the church. Look, you've got to get back to the gospel. You've got to get back to center. You've got to get back to preaching the gospel because that's how I'm truly going to move in your city. That's how I'm going to change the hearts of people that they're not going to want to go out and shoot people and, and abuse other people, abuse themselves. Amen. How many believe we need a heart change in America? Yes, we do. We need a heart change. And so the only way that's going to happen is through the preaching of the gospel. And so let me just say this about the gospel. So the, the gospel, according to Jesus, being preached in the earth determines the timeline of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? has everything to do with Jesus coming back. Did you know that? Jesus himself said, This gospel shall be preached in all the earth, then shall the end come. Isn't that amazing? You say, well, I, I, we got the internet. How is Jesus not coming back already? Well, it must not be in all the earth. There's still, I believe, 6,000 unreached people groups in the world. So how many know we still have our work cut out for us? That comes out roughly to about, about uh, I think it's like 70 million people or whatever. And, and so even if there was one more person to hear the gospel, how many know our work is still not done? And so I believe that we need to begin to focus on the gospel at this time. And, and I think that's what the Lord is doing in the church, is to bring us back to the place that we're focused on the gospel. We're not focused on our good life. We're not fo focused on a big church. We're not focused on, on, on all these little things, that American dream. How many know we need to be focused on the gospel? People getting saved is what it's all about. And so the gospel really is, according to the scriptures here, the gospel is the catalyst for all of Israel to be saved. The gospel is the key to Jews recognizing the Messiah. The gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed and declared and, and lived out is really, really, if you think about it, it's the formula for church growth. Amen. And, and lately someone has questioned and, and our ministry and, and questioned our church. And, well, I, I, it looks like to me and seems like to me that you guys are just practicing the latest church growth fads. And you're doing this and doing that. Listen, you know what Jesus is all about? People getting saved. 
And the best formula, the greatest formula for church growth is preaching the gospel. Let's not be ignorant. Let's not be dumb. You know, how many know that Jesus wants everyone to be saved? Boom, you got church growth right there. Right? Come on. I mean, think about it. It's the gospel. It's, of course, it's not gimmicks. It's not, you know, the, the things that, you know, the entertainment and all these things. And, that, you know, that's not what it's about. How many know it's about the gospel? It's about us being centered on the gospel. How is the church that Jesus is building so strong? You ever think of that? How is, when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, how in the world is it going to be able to stand the test of time? It's through the preaching of the gospel. The more we preach the gospel, the stronger the church gets. That's how Jesus builds the church. I, I, I believe that. I believe that's how. Listen, if the increase of God's government will never stop, that's what the Bible says, and the kingdom of God will continue to grow, how in the world is it growing? How is it advancing? Someone said, well, the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. I'm just waiting for the glory. How is the glory going to fill the earth? It's through the preaching of the gospel. How many believe that with your hand? I believe that. That's how the church is going to grow. That's how people are going to get healed. That's how people are going to get saved. Jesus talked about his mighty works that he did on the earth. What were the mighty works? It was preaching and healing the sick. Preaching the gospel and, and healing the sick. That was the mighty work of Jesus Christ. And so I believe that we've got to continue to walk in that. And the gospel really is, is what is, is the, really the center focus when it comes to Christmas and it comes to this holiday. It's Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That's what it's about. And so I want to focus on that during this holiday season. I want to focus on really the gospel and how we as a church really need to be more gospel focused and gospel fused and gospel influenced. How many know when you're culturally influenced and you're culturally, you know, you kind of, how many know when, when you're culturally influenced in the church, you're limited? You can only do what pleases people. You cannot do what pleases God. But when you're, when you're gospel-centered, when you're gospel-focused, you, there's no limit to what you can do. There's no limit to where you can go, what you can, all the things you can say and do and the people you can reach. Come on, somebody. Amen. And when you're kingdom-focused and gospel-focused, you're not bound. In fact, the Bible says that the more that they preach the gospel, the more free they felt they were. That's what Paul said. Oh, no, Paul was put in prison. How, how can you call him free? He said, I'm free in my bonds. Because I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Is that right? And I love the fact that they had this defiance disorder. The disciples had a defiance disorder. The more that they were threatened, the more they preached the gospel. How many know that's a good disorder to have? Amen. We need that. We need that. And so I think that this is what it's about. When, when the Bible talks about Jesus coming, it's not just a ceremonial, oh, we're just going to sing about it. We're just, this, this is amazing. This is when Jesus said that the Gentiles are going to start getting saved so that the nation of Israel can really find out who the Messiah is. Amen. I love that. How many are so thankful to be a part of something that's so awesome and so wonderful? And I believe that we do need, as the church, to be culturally aware, but we do not need to be culturally influenced. We need to be gospel-centered, gospel-focused, gospel-influenced. See, because every person or every human being is called to salvation. How many believe that? How many believe that every human, every person is called to salvation? If you believe that, then you've got to believe that every believer is called to preach the gospel. You've got to believe that. Every believer, that's why the Holy Spirit has come. Not to make you feel good. Not to get your praise on. Not so you can prophesy and show off your gifts. But to preach the gospel. 
so the gospel can go forward. That's what Jesus focused on. He didn't just stay in the synagogue and pray and have these prayer lines and prophesy over everybody. 85% of his ministry was done out in the public where people didn't know him so that the mighty acts of God could be revealed to people so they could get saved. And that's where God's taking our church. God's taking us as a people. And I hope you're here for the ride because it's going to be an amazing thing. God's going to turn this city upside down. God's going to do a work in this city that we've never seen before. There's going to be more people saved in our city per capita than anywhere else in the world. I'm believing God for that. Amen. I'm believing that our small, this whole valley, this whole, I mean, the Susquehanna Valley up and down the whole river, I'm believing that, as Paul said, everyone will get saved. Is that going to happen in the middle of the night and angels are going to come and sprinkle fairy, fairy dust on people? And they're just No, it's going to happen when you and I understand that we've been equipped, we've been called, we've been loved, we've been pursued by God to preach the gospel. Amen. That in order for the, for the Jewish nation to get saved, in order for people to get saved, in order for Christ to be glorified like he was in that little manger, we've got to preach the gospel. I don't know about you, but I want to see all of Williamsport be saved. I want to see all of your family saved. I want to see them come to the knowledge of the Messiah that was in, wrapped in that little, amen, swaddling clothes in that manger. I want to see them come to the knowledge. Every person is called to salvation. Every believer is called to preach the gospel. Why? So that the people of God can be saved. So that Jesus can fulfill His dream, His purpose through us. Amen. That all of Israel would be saved. Can somebody say amen? How many believe that this time, amen, at this, this wonderful time, this holiday, amen, that we want to just pray for people that don't know the Lord. We want to be able to see them receive the greatest gift, and that is the gift of salvation. Amen. Can you stand on your feet today with me? We're, we're going to pray in a moment, but I want to pray for you that, especially if you're struggling during this time, we, uh, what is that song? There's a, a song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. How many know that song, right? And it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But you know, for a lot of people, it's some of the most depressing time of the year. Most discouraging time of the year. And I want to encourage you today to reach out and just look at other people in a different way today. A lot of people have lost their jobs. They don't have uh, maybe the, the money that they usually have to spend on gifts or whatever and, and for their kids. And how many know that might be a good thing? Some of you might have to go do G biblical times with your kids. Three presents. That's what Jesus got. That's all you get. Amen. Get a stone. <laughs> get some dust. No. And, uh, you know, but, but how many know? Seriously, th there is a time that, that maybe families, this is a time that maybe you've lost a loved one during this time. This is a hard time for you. Maybe um, you've really, your family broke apart during this time. You know, as a kid or whatever. Or maybe it's going right now. They're breaking apart right now during these holidays. And it's really breaking your heart. And maybe, maybe it really brings a, a different song in your voice. And a very different spirit in your heart. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Jesus Christ came as the light, as the hope. Amen. Of God. And so I want you to receive that today. I want you to receive the light of Jesus. The hope of Jesus in your heart today. No matter where you are, what's going on in your life, and, and all the things that surround. Some of you are very joyous at this time. Some of you are very depressed at this time. Some of you are just absolutely broken at this time. But God wants to do something amazing in your heart through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save us. He came to deliver us. 
He's singing songs of deliverance over us right now. He came to surround us and protect us. And He came to amen, bring us through whatever we go through in life through His saving knowledge. Some of you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You know Him as a religious figure. You know Him as maybe once a week or, or, or once a year that you visit a church and you hear the name of Jesus and you think, oh, that's just a religious symbol, a religious figurehead of the Christian faith. No, He's a real person. He's God. He's God manifested in the flesh. And the Bible says that He came in human form. And He came in, in the Holy Spirit. You know, it was, Mary was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And that thing was of God. And, and Jesus was really born. And He really walked the earth. And He really died. And He really rose again. And He did it to save you. He did it to deliver you. He did it to heal you. Just receive Jesus today. You don't have to be a member of a church to be saved. You don't have to give all kinds of money to a church to be saved. You don't have to do good works to be saved. Can anybody say amen? Just believe that Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to rescue you. Jesus, and it's not just a one-time deal. How many are enjoying the salvation of Jesus every single day? Every single day I'm reminded of how He's my Redeemer, my, my Savior. He's my, man, He's my Rescuer. He's the one that provides for me. Every single day I'm reminded that Jesus came to save His people from their sin. How many believe in God for great things? Let me see your hand, amen. Can we believe God for the, the greatest miracle and that is a soul saved? today. I don't know if it's someone in your family or a friend, someone you live by, a co-worker, someone you just met in the store. Amen. Today, let's pray and ask the Lord to reveal himself in a fresh new way during the season of people as the greatest gift of all. And amen. Lord, we just thank you today that you came to save us from our sin. Jesus came as a promise and over thousands of years people were pointing to that manger. They were pointing to that time, amen, when a virgin would conceive, Lord, and bring forth a son. They were just hoping for it. They were longing for it. Now we as a people look back over 2,000 years ago and we point back to say it has been done. It happened. It was real and we enjoy it, Lord. So we know that you are, Lord, the Savior of the world. We pray, Lord, for those that don't know you. I pray for family members and friends. I pray for those that are listening. Maybe they're teetering on the fence of what religion to look into and believe and something, something to hold on to in this life that isn't crazy. Something to hold on to that's strong and secure. I pray that they would turn their eyes to you, Jesus. That they would look to you, Lord, the one who is real. The one who is God manifested in the flesh. The one who has eternal life. The only true and living God, which is Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you are the son of the living God. You are the one who was born in a manger. Died for our sins and rose again and coming back. You're the one I'm living for, Lord. So I pray, Lord, for those who don't know you. I pray that they would find you. Lord, through the scriptures, through a friend, through, Lord, a, a pastor, or a leader, a religious leader, they would find you, Lord, and find who you, out you are at this time in this season. We pray, Lord, for those who are, Lord, financially struggling. I'm just asking that you provide in such a mighty way. I pray, Lord, that you would provide for their family at this time. And they wouldn't be all stressed out and wouldn't be frustrated, but, Lord, would come into the peace of God. Lord, they've lost their job. They've been unemployed. They've struggled this last year. Lord, I pray that they would not go into this season heavy burden, but, Lord, they would be full of light in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for them today. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, amen.